What if you're afraid of investing? What if you don't know how to predict the outcome of your investment that you're after? How do you manage risks? That's what we're going to talk about today. Yes, uh, this is this is one of my favorite topics because uh, whenever you try to do something big in your life, like a big change, right? Whether it's uh, trying to build wealth or trying to do something that you've never done before, fear comes up and that stops us from taking action. So today we're going to talk about three things. One is some hacks for your mindset that you can do to mm-hmm. overcome fear. Two, we're going to talk about a specific framework that you can use to overcome fear in investing. Uh, and we're also going to talk about some real life examples of implementing BUR and as you're going through the BUR process, uh, what you can do to overcome risk. Perfect. Hey there, we're here to put you on the path to a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I'm Pollock. And this is Nidhi. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. So I want to start with the story. So we had done, I think, maybe 10 single family deals with the Burr strategy, especially our supercharged Burr using the scale framework. We'd done 10, probably, single family deals. And then we went to see this triplex. Turns out it was not one triplex. It was a set of three triplexes. So we were going from doing individual deals 10 times to one deal that was going to be 10 doors, right? So we literally 10 times what we had done so far. That's what we were diving into. Um, it was three triplexes. That's nine units plus one unit had an, a basement apartment. So that that's what made it 10 units. And I remember when we went to see it, it felt so big. It felt like something that we didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We didn't know how to even think about it when we first visited it. And then we went back and forth. And at one point (laughs) I said, these three triplexes are side by side. And it would be a shame to just get one just because we're afraid and just because we can't figure out how to mitigate this risk. We have to do them at the same time. Number one, it allowed us to get the best deal possible because it, it really made the seller's life easier. But also it allowed us to just focus on that one project as opposed to trying to find other deals while we were doing that. And in that one deal, um, we replicated my salary my annual salary. That's the cash flow from that one deal. So um, it was an amazing experience of, you know, being afraid, measuring the risk, figuring out how we were going to mitigate the risks and then actually moving forward with it. I actually remember this, uh, like it was yesterday, like we were sitting in the car after we had seen the property, we were like looking at the property and um, I was like, should we just get like one triplex and see how this goes? Yeah. And you were like, nope, either we're doing all three or we're not doing yeah. a single one. So I was like, all right, let's, <laughs> let's do this. Um, and, you know, this is so, so getting into our, our first topic, which is, you know, hacking your, your mindset. And mm-hmm. mindset is so important because um, all of us have been trained for so many years. We were both in corporate for a long time. Uh, and as employees, you're trained not to really take any risks, right? Because you're, First of all, you're signing up for a W-2 job, which is a guaranteed paycheck in that there is lesser risk. Uh, And even the things that you do at work, there's not that many risks involved. Even if there is a risk, it's more for the business, not for you personally. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that makes us very risk averse, right? It makes us 
always be in our comfort zone. And so whenever people that we talk to who are in corporate or who come from professional background, they're looking to invest in real estate, that fear comes up. It's like, wait, but I, you're telling me that I can invest in something and I can buy as many houses as I want and I'm going to grow this thing without any real, um, you know, guidance from a boss. Like I can do this on my own. Like a lot of fears come up. Yeah. Right? Like what nobody's going to tell me what to do anymore. <laughs> what, what's that like? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah the, the fear of like, wait, what could go wrong? Like what is, you know, uh, what to even do about that? Yeah. And um, analysis paralysis is a term that, that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, but in the, at the end of the day, that's really fear. Yeah. That's what's holding you back. Yeah. And, and you talk about this one example from Sarah Blakely. Yeah. So we had read that um, Sarah Blakely's dad at the dinner table, he would ask his kids every night. And um, sorry, Sarah Blakely is the founder. She, she's the founder and CEO of Spanx. And she's grown this company very fast. And she's one of the influencers in the entrepreneur space. Uh, someone I love to follow. And so her, her dad would ask them at the dinner table, what did you fail at today? And, you know, not being from this world, not being from the wealthy or the entrepreneurial um, circles, that's a very foreign concept to some of us because most of our parents are constantly warning us on the risks, right? Yeah. Like, don't, don't climb that tree. You might fall. Don't, don't climb that rock because you might get hurt, right? It's a very yeah. different mindset. Don't try that business. Go to school instead because that's a safer option. That's what most of our parents are telling us. Very, it's, there's good intentions behind it, but this is a whole different way of thinking. And I thought that was so interesting that from childhood, he was programming the kids to take risks and fail and be comfortable with that. Yes. And, you know, the question is, how do you, do that now, right? Neither of none of us, neither of us were taught that when we were right. growing up, we were always taught to take the traditional path. And yet I think what changed for us, where we decided to take that risk was we wanted to change the status quo, right? We were in corporate for a long time and we had two new uh, sort of a newborn and a, a, a two-year-old. Yes. Um, and we were like, wait, we want to spend more time with them. The pain of not being there with them and being able to control our own time and our own destiny, that was far greater than the fear of failing. Yes. Right. And so figuring out that was our why at the time. And so figuring out what your why is really goes a long way in saying, all right, I, I can not take risk, yeah. uh, but then there is a, there's some risk involved in uh, not doing, not following your dreams, right? There's okay. this risk involved as um, there's a quote somewhere that says the risk started the day you were born, right? And yeah. so life is risk, even not doing something and inaction is a risk. And so uh, if you can find out what your why is, what really motivates you, why you want to change the status quo, because wealth is not found in the status quo, right? And uh, how do you change that? How You have to have a strong why to even start thinking of taking that risk. And when you think about taking the risk, if you don't think about the big part, the big final outcome, buying that 100 unit apartment building, whatever your final outcome is, don't think about that as your first step. If you take smaller risks first, you start flexing that muscle. It allows you to build up to the bigger risks because the stakes can get higher 
And you can get comfortable with every step if you let yourself get comfortable with the smaller risk first. And having that success, even if you fail a bunch of times and then have that one successful adventure, venture, <laughs> that's going to allow you to build that momentum and take more risks in future. Right. So, so start small, start somewhere. Yeah. And educating yourself, right? Like yeah. knowing what risks are is important and then knowing how to mitigate those risks and having a plan for them is important, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But do you want to talk about the framework yeah. uh, that they can use to to really reduce risk, mitigate risk? You cannot eliminate risk, which right. is why I say, how do you, what step, steps can you take to mitigate risks? The number one step in this framework is dissect, meaning don't think of whatever you're trying to do as one big risk. Think about why is your gut making you feel like it's a risk? Divide it into smaller things. So for example, if you take the Burr strategy, for example, you're trying to buy a property that is distressed and you're thinking, hey, this seems like a really big risk. I'm going to buy this property. I've never bought a property that's distressed. I don't, maybe I don't even live near it. Now I'm going to have to work with a contract. All of these different risks, right? Instead of thinking of that as one big risk, Divide it up, dissect it. Why does it feel like a risk, right? Yeah, I love that. Breaking it down, now you can address each of those risks individually as opposed to thinking of them all as just one big risk that you need to tackle. Right, and that allows you to think more clearly, right? The next step is to quantify. So create your risk assessment spreadsheet create some kind of a table, whatever format you like for risk assessment, write down every single thing that feels like a risk to you. Now you have it in front of you. Now it's visual, right? And then you can assign best and worst case scenarios to it. Yes. And, and I remember you doing this when we first got started. You're like, wait, so what if our, uh, you know, ARV doesn't come up to what we think it is, all right, how do we mitigate that risk? What's the, what is the risk there, right? Quantifying that and saying, oh, what if our ARVs veer off by 20,000? What happens then and how do, you, how do you sort of address that? Which is the next step is mitigate, meaning put in contingencies. So some examples are um, for rehab. A lot of times people tell us that I'm really afraid of working with a contractor because someone I know had a bad experience. They went over budget. Well, put in a contingency. We always advise new investors. Um, and even at our level, we do yeah. this. Put in a 10, 15% contingency for your construction budget. So that risk of going over budget, that's mitigated right yeah, there. That's right. And same thing with what if I can't get enough rent for a property, mm -hmm. right? You can say, all right, what if I assume a lower rent? Do the numbers still work? Is there is a cash flow still going to work for this deal? And if so, go ahead with that deal. If not, pass on it, right? And it's okay to pass on a few deals. People are like, oh, but I, I've looked at five deals and put in a few offers, but uh, I don't, I haven't got a deal on a contract. That's okay. It's okay to lose, lose a few deals when you're first getting started and, and find the right one that actually works. All right. So we did dissect, quantify, mitigate. And then the last step is decide. So once you dissect the risks, once you quantify them, make that table, put the best and worst case scenario, now assign a contingency plan to it, mitigate those risks. Now you can make a decision. Here's my best case scenario. Here's my worst case scenario. If 
everything goes wrong and not everything's going to go wrong, right? Yeah. That's just not statistically possible that everything that you think will go wrong will go wrong. There's a very small percent of chance that that might happen. Look at the best and the worst case scenarios and then decide, do I still want to move forward? And this can be applied not only to real estate investing, it can be applied to so many different areas of our lives, uh, whether it's to take a trip somewhere. When, when you go to travel somewhere, there's always a risk, right? Am I going to enjoy this? Am I going to, I'm spending this money on this trip. Am I going to have fun? Am I, am I going to be comfortable? There's always a risk and you can assign different scenarios and establish contingencies. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, you can do all these steps, right? You can dissect it. You can quantify the risk. You can come up with mitigating factors and then finally decide if you're going to take that leap or not. And I will tell you that you might still, at the end of the day, there might still be a, a sort of a leap of faith, right? There might still be that step that you need to say, okay, I've mitigated as many risks as I could. I've accounted for all the risks that I could. And I'm still, and things may still go wrong and you still need to take that, pull the trigger, right? So to speak, because again, uh, status quo, there's risk in status quo as right. well, right? And you don't want to be, you don't want to delay. A lot of time we delay the risk. We're like, all right, maybe not right now. Maybe in a few years, I'll, I'll think about it. But then in the five years that you delayed that, now you're five years older and you're nowhere close to, you don't, you haven't gained experience, right? And going back to Pollock's point earlier, even if your first project is, uh, you know, you failed in a couple of areas where you thought you could have done better, guess what? Now you have the knowledge to say, what do I need to do to tweak to make my second project a success? Right. And that's why we say the first risk that you take, you want to take it a, a, a smaller risk so that you're still in the game and you can say, all right, you know what? This, the rehab went over by 10K on my next project. I'm going to be a little bit more careful as to how I do my rehab and pay a little bit more attention to what, what my contractor is doing, set up proxy and system so it doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, all these steps you can take and, and break it down into this process as, as opposed to just saying, oh my God, investing feels just so difficult and I feel fearful. And approach it with curiosity. So when you feel fearful, you're going to feel it in your body. You're going to, your body's going to tell you something's wrong and it's going to make you feel unsafe. And our system is designed to protect us, but it's not always predicting the right fears and dangers, right? It always putting your money in a deal is not the same thing as running away from a lion, but our primitive minds are designed a certain way and they make us feel fearful. Listen to your body and sit with it and get curious. Why am I feeling this way? Is it something related to my upbringing? Is it an experience that I had in adulthood? Maybe I had a bad experience with a contractor. Maybe I invested money incorrectly before. And now that experience is making me feel fearful of a deal that could actually be good for my future, right? Yeah. So there are so many reasons why we could be, feel fearful. Get curious about it. Yeah. This is what I also teach my kids. I'm, I'm telling them all the time, um, our daughter uh, was doing a drama club and then they had a final performance and she was saying that I'm really, um, I'm excited, but I'm scared. She always says that. She always says like, I'm excited, but I'm nervous. And she, I love that kids these days, they know how to decipher their feelings so well, way better than we ever could or still can. But she always says that. 
So um, it's just, so she said that. And I said, you know, get curious. Let's get curious. Let's approach this experience with curiosity. What did I like about it? What did I not like about it? Why was I afraid? When you go through it, you're going to understand that there were certain things that you were afraid of. You're going to feel your heart beating a little bit faster. You'll feel it in your body. And then we can work on those things. And when you approach it with curiosity, now you're on a journey as opposed to just trying to take this leap of faith without thinking about it, right? Like that that journey feels so much more uh, doable when you approach it with curiosity. Um, and 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 th- that's what I was telling her. I'm like, think about it. And then after that, we can debrief and we can talk about it. What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? What could we do better next time that would make you feel more prepared and less nervous? Yeah. So approach real estate investing the same way. <laughs> and, and, you know, I will say that don't think that you're the only one who's afraid of taking risks. Some people are like, oh, there's probably some born risk takers uh, you know, who are just like, who are going to take risks from day one. That's not true. You can learn to take risks. Neither of us were born risk takers. We had like the a W2 job for 15 years, right? And it was as hard for us to take those risks as for anyone else. Um, but you got to build that risk taking muscle. And I always thought that people who are successful and built wealth, they had, they were born with this risk taking muscle. They were born with some kind of a cur- charisma or something that X factor that maybe only they have and we just didn't have it. And then with time, I've realized that all of these are skills. Yeah. These are, they're not talents you're born with. They're skills that we can develop over time. We can cultivate those. Yeah. And so any one of us could do it. Right. And you're going to be taking risks throughout your journey as an investor, as a business owner, if you want to continue growing, each step is a risk. And the more comfortable you get at the lower level, at the smaller level, when you're when the, you know, when, when you're playing small, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. Yeah. Get comfortable, get curious, figure out how you can deal with that next step when it comes. And then when you grow, now you're taking larger risks. So I remember I just thought of something. I remember you you used to say <laughs> There was something that was, we had to either fix something or there was an upgrade and we were thinking about $500 and we were like, should we spend this or not? It was one of the properties very early on. And Niti said that I want to get to a point where $500 feels like a big amount now. I want to get to a point where I want to make that $5,000, $50,000. And that's where I want to go, where I'll at a I want to be at a point where $500 no longer feels like a large amount. It's 5,000 that feels like a large amount. Next step, I want to get to a point where 5,000 doesn't feel like a large amount anymore. $50,000 feels like a lot. And I, I still remember that. And it was really interesting. I, I remember the first time we got that uh, dented stove at that yeah. property. I was negotiating with the person who was delivering it. I was like, oh, you know, give me some money off for this dented stove. And I got $25 off or something. And, um, you know, as we grow that I would never spend time doing that yeah. now. And so that amount becomes bigger. Yeah. And you know, one more thing I want to add to this is that, you know, this is, this is all our experiences that we have like this, we've gone through this process, right? And so 
another thing that's going to happen is a lot of people that are around you that are well-meaning will say to you, uh, yeah, but what makes you think you can be successful? Or what makes you think you can be a good landlord? Or what makes you think that, uh, you know, for instance, like a lot of people when I got started, they're like, but you've never done a business before in life. You know, you've yeah. never like you've never uh, done such a big uh, investment in your life. What makes you think you can you can do it? Uh, well, but, you know, you you have to believe that you can do it and you have to be uh, surround yourself with people who are who are doing it. Um, you know, one of uh, one of our mentors a long time told us a uh, long time ago told us uh, there is no transformation in isolation. Right. Right. And so you have to surround yourself with other people who are taking those kind of risks. And that makes it a little bit easier. Right. right. Because you can support each other and, and other people are doing if, it. So. If you ask for advice from people who haven't taken risks, you're not going to get the right advice. Yes, right. Absolutely. <laughs> or have have taken the risk and failed and then never done it again. Yeah. If you take that advice, that it's very obvious that their advice is going to be like, don't go that way. Right. So yeah, I love that. What did you say? Transformation doesn't happen in isolation. That's yep. brilliant. Yes. Love that. All right. So hope this was helpful for you. Um, we have a, an amazing five day challenge going on right now. If you haven't done it already, uh, go to www.theinvestoraccelerator.com and we'll see you there. Take care guys. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional.